From Relay FM, this is Virtual Episode Number Thirty Six. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Build it beautiful. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very good. We have an exciting show today. We yes, uh, we do. Obviously, we have our links and stuff, which we're going to go through in a bit. But to carry on our discussion on Apple uh, Watches and Apple Watch games, we're going to be joined shortly by David Smith. Um, and we're going to talk about games for the watch in general and also his thinking behind the games that he made um, for the Apple Watch and how he feels that how he feels about them now he has a device of his own to test them on. So it's going to be fun. And you do as well. I do. Like. I do. Um, I'm so sorry, Federico. No, no need to be sorry. I saw Apple is sending out a bunch of uh, shipment notices today to people who bought the same model that I that I bought. So hopefully, uh, you know, uh, I will I will get a I will get a message soon. I hope. Fingers if crossed. not, at least I'm hoping the next week. We'll see. Fingers crossed. So, do we have uh, some follow up and links and stuff like that? Yes. So, at the end of the last episode, so again, this is gonna be spoilers. We're gonna we're gonna add a few thoughts to my. Uh, you know, to my opinion on The Last of Us and the ending. Just as we finished last week, talking about the, the ending of The Last of Us, you brought up a point that we should have made in, in our discussion. Basically, at the ending, where, when, you, when you save uh, Ellie and when you kill doctors to save Ellie, uh, and you also kill Marlene, which is the leader of the Fireflies, uh, you said, oh man, I wanted to tell you in this ending, Joel is actually the bad guy, and that's uh, that's a very simple, basic point, but it's 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 so accurate, such a strong point because yep. you spend the entire game thinking that you're gonna save somebody, and then you're gonna also save the world because you're, you're gonna bring Ellie, which is the cure to this virus, to science. You're gonna bring her to science to ensure that doctors will be able to find vaccine. And instead, for for your own selfish reasons, uh, you turn into the bad guy and you kill Marlene, you kill doctors. And so the idea that there's no bad guy in the ending, there's no final boss, there's no, you know, a big giant enemy you need to face, you actually become the bad guy. And that's interesting, I think. You yeah, know? definitely. There's a, this great article from my friend Sam Rosenthal uh, that, he, that he published a couple of years ago when he, when he, when he finished The Last of Us originally on PS3. And, uh, and I recommend you, you go check it out. You know, the article, he, he talks about um, the mechanics of The Last of Us and the ending and what exactly Joel becomes and the problems that, uh, you know, that affect The Last of Us. Uh, we talked about this uh, last week. So recommended read at designerzord.com. I like Sam. He's my friend. Great guy. I I also have links for you and for our listeners, Michael. I would love to hear them. So the first one from Kotaku is one of those articles that brought back memories for me. It's about seven games that never came out. And if you, like me, have a past, have a history with buying video game magazines and following the video game news before the, before the web, before Twitter and before, you know, NeoGAF and forums, um, you remember these games and all of those kinds of games that were announced usually at E3 or maybe Gamescom. And 
you saw there were no trailers, of course, on video game magazines, unless you bought one of those magazines with, you know, the 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 the, the CD uh, that you could see the trailers on your computer. But those were kind of rare in Italy, and so there there used to be uh, a few occasions these big games, you know, uh, big advertising from these companies, big announcements, and then these games disappear. And Kotaku has made this collection of just seven games that were announced, you know, with big conferences, big events. There was one game called uh, Real Vegas, I I think, from Midway. This is uh, Vegas. This is Vegas. And Midway flew the the video game journalists all the way to Vegas to have like a Vegas night out in limousines and strip clubs and stuff and then just to show the game. And so video game companies used to do this crazy stuff. But there was one game in particular from this uh, compilation on Kotaku, which is uh, StarCraft Ghost. I remember this game being hyped up so much from the video game press and the magazines that I used to buy in 2003, I think. And eventually the game just disappeared. And it was made by Blizzard and it came out at a time where, you know, uh, women in video games and especially, you know, the lead protagonist of the, of the game was a, was a woman named uh, Nova. So it, it was unusual. You know, there was Tomb Raider with Lara Croft, uh, but it was, you know, this, this was kind of different. This was like a Metroid made by Blizzard in the StarCraft universe. And I remember a lot of writers saying it's actually a good game. And then it disappeared for a couple of years and eventually Blizzard confirmed that the game was cancelled. So if you want to if you want to take a trip down the memory lane, go check out this article well, on Kotaku. The Last Guardian's in there as well. Oh yeah. Sorry, John Syracuse. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, it's been like seven years. Uh, Two thousand and eight it was <laughs> Yeah, it's bad. Oh. And Sony is still saying that the game is not cancelled yeah so yeah we'll keep hoping um or not sorry john uh heroes of the storm it's uh you know speaking of of uh, blizzard uh the new moba game by blizzard um just uh, last week i think or a few days ago it made an appearance on espn2 which is a sports channel in the u.s where they you know they show sports <laughs> games and this time, it was the, for many people at least, it wasn't the first time that, that a video game that the esports scene would show up on ESPN. Because I think there's also ESPN 3 in the United States. But ESPN 2, from what I understand, is more important. And it's bundled in many uh, cable packages that, you know, American people can sub- uh, subscribe to. So a lot of people basically turned on ESPN 2 and they found guys, you know, <laughs> playing computer games on their TV and I was on Twitter a few days ago and I saw the reaction of people saying what's going on on ESPN2 right now and so this is a this is actually a tournament organized by Blizzard called Heroes of the Dorm which is like uh, I I read a, a couple of articles about this it's a tournament in United States colleges and they're getting you know students to play Heroes of the Storm and eventually who wins will get a scholarship, I think. And um, so a lot of people freaked out, you know, because there's a eSports on ESPN, which is usually, you know, uh, it focuses on real sports, not computer sports. And uh, we, we talked about this before, especially about my fascination with uh, eSports in general. Even if I can't play and I don't play computer games, I'm fascinated by people who have such high level of skill and expertise. And... 
There was an article on US Gamer about, you know, Heroes of the Storm on ESPN2 and just how the esports scene is growing up in general, especially in the past few years, because big companies such as uh, Activision, Blizzard are involved, you know, with Dota. They are investing in the esports scene because they understand that professional players can help make a game more popular. Uh, Just like, you know, if you follow real sports like basketball or football, and you follow sports and maybe you know you buy you buy the cable pack the cable package to follow the sports scene or maybe you you buy you know official accessories from your from your team and companies are starting are getting involved because they understand that the esports scene can be lucrative for them can can make real money and to my curiosity i discovered that the esports scene, it's its growing up so quickly, it's starting to run into the same issues that affect the, uh, the regular sports. So they're starting to, to put in regulations to make sure that, you know, uh, to regulate the way that players can be traded from one team to another. <laughs> and if you follow, I mean, I, I occasionally when I listen to the news on, on, uh, on Italian TV, I hear about, you know, trades between uh, football teams here. And they're basically doing the same thing for esports, which is interesting because, you know, you could say, hey, this is, you know, just a computer game, but it's become such a big business and with such a big audience on Twitch, YouTube, and, you know, these tournaments that are organized in very big locations uh, with such big prizes, with real money uh, that huge people are starting... Huge as well. Huge, huge audiences. Huge, yeah, yeah. So companies are starting to take notice, ESPN too as well, and I think we'll see, we'll keep seeing more of this. Uh, it's it's such a natural evolution, I think. Uh, I mean, it's it's just sports. If you if you consider sports, not necessarily watching, you know, a bunch of guys running with a ball in a field, but if you consider sports, you know, watching someone who has was better than you because he exercises with a specific game and he has a higher level of skill and his pleasure you know it can be a pleasure to watch other people play these sorts of games then esports are real sports and um, and it's pretty cool in general it is cool to watch these people play computer games mike mm-hmm. are you into esports not yet not yet no. are you are you interested I guess so. I mean, if there was a kind of sports that I was gonna watch, it would probably be something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't watch sports myself. Yeah, but computer games I can relate to. You know, I don't know. It's it's cool. Um, there's a new. So tell me this: Are you at least into Dragon Ball? Uh, no. Sorry, you, that one. You never me. read or watched Dragon Ball? I've I've seen it. Okay. I've seen it, but it's not... I was never really that big on it. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be the first new anime, uh, Dragon Ball anime, in 18 years, and this is oh. an official you know, series with the participation of the Dragon Ball creator Akira Toriyama, and it is going to be set after the events at the end of Dragon Ball, uh, after the death of Majin Buu. And for me, I mean, I, I'm so... I'm basically in love with Dragon Ball. When I when I was a kid, it was the first manga that I bought at my local comic store, and comic book store. And uh, yeah, I'm a huge Dragon Ball fan. I realize that for most people, it's a stupid manga or a stupid anime. 
Uh, and it, that's probably true, you know, it's made for teenagers. But, you know, we talked about this on Connected this week. I have very young tastes in, in general. So, um, uh, did you did you download, Mike, the new Mario Kart 8 DLC? I haven't yet. I haven't Me yet. Neither. It's, it's on Me my neither. list. Because one thing is I know that once I do it, I've got to go and get all the 150 cups because I'm going to want to play the 200cc first and I don't think I have all of the golds in 150 yet. So I'm waiting for a time when I can download it all and then just play through everything. Yeah, I'm in the same situation. And I I, I brought this up because I watched this video on YouTube from Game Explain, which is another great channel that I'm subscribed to. And... There's so many crazy references in the new Mario Kart 8, uh, especially in the new tracks. There's, uh, you know, the, the kind of stuff that Nintendo loves to do to sneak in references to old games, old music. Uh, go watch the video because it, it is pretty cool. Now, to kind of switch topics to, to something a little more dark and serious. So you uh, you kindly made fun of me every time I get emotional about video <laughs> games, and especially you and your family because you you like to listen to my to my you know introspective thoughts and consequences of playing games. So I came across this article last week on on Offworld, the Boing Boing video game column, and it's about I mean the title is I'm afraid to die in games. And so, of course, you know, that, that's kind of my, my, my thing to read, I figured. And it's such a great and powerful and serious and heavy article. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the basic, uh, I mean, the, the, the video game theme of the article is that when you die in a video game, usually, uh, you're not given a reason. I mean, you're not given a, a way to to use your failure to do better. You just die and you lose and you fail. And there's no, at least in most video games, uh, there's no way to say, okay, you failed and here's how you can do better. You just either repeat the level and you succeed or you keep dying. And this, is, this of course, you know, is a, is a game mechanic that comes from the from the very from the very origins of video games you used to go to to an arcade and you 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 know you use a coin and you play a video game and when you die you don't have your coin anymore so you spent money to play a game until you you failed but today video games don't you know don't depend on coins you don't you don't need to go into your living room and you can play as long as you have coins to put into your PlayStation you can play you know, whenever you want, however you want, and so it's kind of, it's kind of strange that we're still stuck for the most part on this mechanic of you play, you die, you play, you succeed, you pass the level, and of course, it's kind of impossible to imagine video games in the sense that there's no fa- there's no failure, there's no point where you can say I can just keep playing forever. Especially if it's a game where you have to defeat enemies, where you have to shoot enemies. It's different for games, you know, like Animal Crossing or maybe The Sims, where those are simulators. You can play the way you want and there's no pressure in knowing that you will die. But for people like me who can get emotional, you know, about playing games, I can relate to the article when when the author says, 
I, I feel pressure knowing that I'm about to go against death. You know, that I can, maybe I need to walk the stairs and upstairs there will be an enemy who will try to kill me. It's very, like, maybe you can say we're overthinking this. And, but I think there's a, there's a real pressure uh, in, in playing games, knowing that there's no other way out. You either kill or you'll, you'll be killed. And it's kind of it's kind of heavy to think about maybe, um, and it's kind of maybe too much to you know when you play a game you just want to shoot guns and I can totally understand that because I want to do that sometimes I just want to relax myself and kill a bunch of enemies in a video game. But it's interesting to consider from a game design perspective: could there be another way? Could could there be a way to approach to approach making a game in a way that when you fail you're you are taught a lesson and you are you know, a different way of intending failure in video games. So go read the article because it's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating perspective. And if you're like me, you get emotional about playing video games and then you make connections, you know, with video games in real life and you feel bad about the game, you feel bad about yourself in the game and you feel bad about your, your skills in playing the game, uh, it's definitely your kind of article. And um, to conclude, my links, Mike. I just assume that you, you you don't have a comment on this kind of stuff. I read the you, I read it. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I read it and it, and it was um it was an interesting read. I didn't really get the jumps that she was making mm-hmm. between the things, and I think it's I think that there is a certain um there is a certain emotional connection that that you clearly have that that for some reason I I don't seem. Um, to have, I mean, I, I also, I agree with the idea of like, and, and the, th- the thing, thinking and feeling of having some characters and dying in games, and I find it really frustrating because it's like, oh, I don't want to keep dying. It's like, it's not a good thing to just keep happening over and over again. Like, I like it when, or like, if you're gonna have like a fail state of some description, it just resets you. Like, you jump down on a platformer and you fall down, and it just puts you right back up again. Like, I don't, I, re- I hate game over. That's the thing that frustrates me the most. It's like, why why does game over exist? Like, I'm not putting coins into this box. Like, game over makes no sense to me. But um, the piece was very interesting in that. But, like, she was talking about some stuff that happened in her life. And, and, and I don't know, I just didn't... They, the two things didn't gel mm-hmm. for me as well. I had just woke up when I read it, so maybe I wasn't in the best <laughs> frame of mind. Probably. Uh, so the last link... Uh, this is so weird. Ugh. Yeah. So, if you've ever wondered what... No one's wanted this. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe weird people like me did. Um, what Mario's Nightmares sound like? It's a video. It's about an hour long video. And it's just a, a, a long... It's 12 loop. hours, man. Oh, 12? Not yeah, one? there is a one-hour okay, version, but this oh, okay. is 12 hours on Kotaku. Okay, so it's a, it's a continuous loop of all the sound effects and music from the original Super Mario Bros. all meshed together, and it's terrifying. It's the stuff of the nightmares. Yep. And if, you, if, you, if you're weird, if you're the kind of person who enjoys this kind of noise and this kind of disturbance in your daily life, uh, go hit the play button on the video 
and try to go on with your day. It's definitely horrifying and I don't recommend the experience, but it's also kind of weird and cool. So I wanted to mention it on the show. My favorite bit about this, so like it's basically it's every sound effect loop, like ding, 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 like, but then mm-hmm. also the music, they play the whole music tracks and loop the whole music tracks. And in the Kotaku article, um, I like this, trying to pick out a single melody is like trying to catch a speeding train and getting your arm torn off. Only it's pieces of your mind. I love that imagery because it's like you think you can hear it. Like, oh, I can hear that's No, I can't hear it anymore. Like, it's just like for a brief second, your your brain latches onto something it finds familiar mm-hmm. and then it's just like destroyed and gone away. That's very dark, Mike. But it yeah. is indeed. But that, you know, that's, that's what we've been given. That's the, the cards we've yes. dealt. So uh, we have Mr. Underscore David Smith waiting in the wings um, to talk about the Apple Watch with us today. But before we do that, Federico, let me thank our sponsor for this week's episode. And that is our friends over at Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code INSERTCOIN at checkout. Squarespace, build it beautiful. When it comes to giving yourself a home on the internet, Squarespace should be the first and only place that you go to because they make it so easy and so awesome to build a website. Everything is built with this fantastic page building system, They've been developing for so many years. Squarespace are on to version 7 of their fantastic platform now. Everything is WYSIWYG, so what you see is what you get. You can build and drag things around the page, and you can preview all of the changes that you're making right next to the... like. So you get like this panel, right? This panel on the left-hand side, and it's like you can change the colors, change the fonts, and that kind of stuff. And on the right-hand side is a preview of your website changing live in real time. So you can see exactly how the design changes you're making will look. And all of their fantastic templates, they're really beautiful templates. They can all be customized, so you can make them really feel like your home on the internet. Um, But all of the templates that they have are just really fantastic to look at. And in my experience, you don't actually have to do a lot to them, you like change a font, change a color here and there, maybe put your logo in and it feels like your home already. But you can do things, you can drag and drop elements around the page, maybe you want to put an image in. So I've always tried this, you know, with other systems in the past where you want to put an image in line some text, right? So you you maybe want to have the text wrap around and it always seems to be a nightmare. But with Squarespace, you literally just drag and drop the image around and it the text just conforms around it. It's fantastic. It's one of my favorite things about Squarespace. They also have some great features like they have Getty Images integration to provide you with great deals on stock photography from just $10 an image. They have their cover pages that allow you to create single page websites that you can have as your full website or as maybe an intro page. Of course, Squarespace have their great stuff like 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland who are there to help you round the clock. They have their commerce platform that allows anybody to add a store to their Squarespace site. Rock-solid, fast hosting. Squarespace sites are, like, they can withstand any type of traffic. You can throw anything at them and they, they don't even blink. If you want to stretch Squarespace even further, they have their dev platform as well, so you can uh, tinker and get under the hood and do whatever you want to Squarespace. Uh, the world is your oyster. The, the possibilities are limitless. You can start a trial right now with no credit card required and build your own website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code insertcoin, that's all one word, I-N-S-E-R-T-C-O-I-N, and that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase and show your support for virtual. Thank you to Squarespace for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So we now have the pleasure of being joined by the one and only Mr. Underscore David Smith on the virtual today. David, welcome to the show. 
Thank you for having me. It's good to be here, guys. So we've been talking about you over the last couple of weeks. Um, oh. In a good way, of course. I mean, I can't think that could ever be a bad way because you, uh, you've done done what you do and you have apps, many apps um, available for the Apple Watch. Yeah. <laughs> I, only, I only have eight apps for the, ah. for the Apple Watch. Only eight. <laughs> I know. I'm falling. I'm falling. I'm falling down on the job, but... Yes, I've I've eight apps for the for for the Apple Watch on day one, and a couple of them are games, which is yes, one two of, of them. Yeah, it's one of the main reasons we wanted to talk to you because me and Federico have been discussing these these Apple Watch games for the last couple of weeks, um, and I've played a bunch, and I'm going to talk about that as well. Um, but we do have some questions for you that I think Federico has has lovingly penned out in our document. Um, Yes, because that's the only way that you work. So, should we start going through those, Federico, so we can have we can see we can understand a little bit more about about Underscore's development process here? Sure. So, David, um, we well, I wanted to know, but also Mike because he, he agrees with me passively. Um, tell us why you decided to make these two games for for the Apple Watch, and and why did you did you pick these two games exactly? Sure. So it's probably first. It's fair to say that I am in no way a game developer. So I've built many, many, many apps for iOS, but I've, these, these are the first two games I've ever made. Um, and the reason I decided that I was like, well, I've always thought about making games, but the thing that always is, was intimidating to me is that the level, like the bar that for making an iOS game is, is, is somewhat significant. There is a lot of parts that have to go into something like that. And there's a lot of things that you can do and so are kind of expected to do. Whereas on the watch, especially with net, right now with way where a watch kit is, there is so little that you can do that I figured if I was ever going to be able to make a game that was in any way competitive with um, the marketplace, I, this is the right thing to do because every everybody has to make the same very simple, very basic apps um, or games with very, very limited control mechanisms, very limited um, things that you can do graphically. And so it's like, well, I'll try it. And so that's kind of why I decided to do it. And these games specifically were just the games that I could come up with that could fit within the constraints of what's possible in WatchKit. So so what games do we have here? Sure. So I made a game, uh, a version of the, of 2048, the, like the number tile game. Uh, and I made a game which I call Watch and Repeat that is um, the kind of like a Simon game or a memory game where it shows you a pattern of uh, colors and you're, you're trying to remember it and then punch it back into the, the watch. And it sort of, the pattern gets longer and longer, so it gets harder and harder to remember. And then, um, you know, you, the goal is to see how high a score you can get. Hmm. And how was making games with WatchKit? Because we... Uh, on our other show, Connected, we've been talking about the limitations of WatchKit and what you can do, what you cannot do, how you know initial apps will turn out to be on, on the first version of the watch. Well, what about WatchKit for games? Was it difficult? Was it a, a problem? Or actually maybe the, cos- the constraints and the limitations freed you in a way from having to come up with a you know richer, full game? Yeah, I think... By far the the biggest, the most important part of building a watch kit game right now is that all you have is push buttons for input, essentially. Like you could, especially for something that would make sense as a game. So your entire game mechanic has to be something that can be expressed by the user just pushing a button. 
essentially. And it can't, because of the, all of the weird latency problems you have with the watch to the phone, um, where if when you push that button on the watch, the time at which it'll take for that button press to go to the phone, be processed, and then be sent, you know, whatever you want to do back on the watch to be sent back to the watch will take a non, you know, non-deterministic amount of time. You can't do anything that's time-based, um, you know, or some, any kind of game that is going to be based on kind of reflexes or timing of something because if you anytime any attempt you make to try and do something like that you're it's probably going to be very frustrating for your player because it's you know that they think they hit it and then it just took too long for you to get back and it's gonna be a mess and so you only could really build these kinds of games that are you have a, that are, you can drive them from a single button press or you know multiple buttons on a screen and time doesn't matter hmm. so were you were you concerned about you know making games for WatchKit or uh, did you, what was the the process of, you know, coming up with these ideas? Yeah. I mean, I, I th- it was certainly a, a worry insofar as trying to make something that would actually still be fun, right? Like, cause it's, it's different making a game versus a utility is you want to make it like the, the old, the end, the end goal is entirely like, it should still be fun. It has to be something that you'll enjoy doing. Um, and so trying to think like, these were the only two games ideas that I really had that I came up with that seemed like that you could boil down something that would still be fun and interesting. Like I had a few things I was like, oh, you could make tic-tac-toe or you could do those types of games. I, that didn't really appeal to me as something to, to make. Um, but there are very few games that can meet all the criteria that you would need. And so when I can't, and these were like, I just came up with these from just thinking a lot, like just trying to think of like I sat there, I sat down and just wrote down all the kinds of games that I could think of, and then thought of how I could adapt any of them to the watch. Um, and these were the two sort of most compelling versions of it. And how compelling they are, I think, is a very squishy thing. You know, gaming on the watch is definitely it's not its it's not its primary function. It's not something that it's intended for. And so, you know, putting a game there is it feels a bit out of place. Mm-hmm. But at least I think it works. Like I mean, I'm glad i ship these games i think they're kind of you know i've i play them and so it's I've, i think they definitely cross at least like the basic fun bar um, but i'm not sure how like strictly compelling they are mm-hmm. and how did you did you test them before actually having a watch just on the on the on the mac with the with the simulator yes and, and really there's two there's two parts of that that's and which is kind of an interesting aspect just from sort of an app review perspective is that in general, the iPhone app has to do something as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in both of these cases, what I ended up doing is the iPhone app is running the same game engine as the watch app part. Um, and so a lot of the testing of the mechanics of it, of, you know, making sure that, you know, in the 2048 version of a game I wrote, it, you know, it's making sure all the math is actually working correctly and all of the interactions are right. It's, you know, running off the same engine and then... The act to actually put it on the watch, you know, it's putting. I re- tested it in the simulator a lot, but all, all I needed to do at that point was be testing the actual, the the UI and the interactive part. All the underlying stuff is exactly the same between the uh, the iPhone app as well as the the WatchKit app. And I mean, it also works out nice because doing it that way means that you can pick the game up, like especially, which is especially important for like twenty forty eight, where you can start the game on your watch, play it on your phone, go back to your watch, and they're just running off the same the same engine, so you can easily switch back and forth. And 
what's the so that's just for building the game now that you have a watch and you said you've been playing your own games how is playing what you built what's what's your your first impression as a as a player and the developer of the games yeah i think i mean as a developer it's just very cool to actually see it in real life and on actual hardware and to see that it, it actually kind of works that um you know you you never know when you're just developing on the simulator if your what you're building is actually going to be fun um and it's actually going to be like possible like a thing that i was most worried about and spent a lot of time making crazy mock-ups and things was trying to work out if this on a screen that small uh, and especially on the 38 millimeter apple watch if you can realistically have you know the user be tapping on somewhat small things and things that if they tap the wrong one could potentially be very frustrating you know if you're if you're doing a move that they didn't in, um, intend to do be very frustrating and so trying to like actually now being able to see and play um and seeing that it, it does generally work um like a lot of the, the you know you can get quite a lot done on that screen just because i think it has a very very accurate and good digitizer so like i, I very rarely have you know have the experience where i'm tapping something and it's going to the wrong place um, and so that was kind of nice to, to actually see and as a you know as a player it's fun like there's something just cool about being able to play something that you made, um, even if not not neither not not that neither of these either of these games are particularly novel, but there's something kind of fun about like this thing that I'm playing is something that I made, and that's just kind of fun and cool in a, in a way mm -hmm. that goes beyond just the intrinsic fun of the game, I suppose. Did you did you show the games to your friends and family? How was mm -hmm. uh, showing a game on the watch to other people? Yeah, it's. The nice thing about a game, and this is something that was definitely an interesting experience versus most of most of what I make are very utilities, um, are thing or utility like things. And the nice thing with the game is when you show it to somebody, by its nature, people get it. Um, or if I guess if they don't, it would be a bigger problem. But like I can show someone a game and be like, "Hey, here's a game I wrote," and they or like that's a much more compelling argument to show someone, and they'll be like, "Oh, that's cool," and let me play, um, in a way that might be a bit less compelling it's like hey i wrote this rss reader um, would you like to read some articles like that's perhaps not as uh, compelling for most people <laughs> please and sit so, down allow me to show you what's happening in the apple world today exactly uh, so it's, it is kind of fun to be able to play a game and you can show it to anybody you know like i can show it to my son who's six and he thinks it's really cool or i could show it to my dad and he thinks it's really cool um, because it's a different it's by its nature it's something that's much more inclusive um, and has a much wider audience that was that's been really fun to to see so underscore these games are free um yes why did you make them partly just to have some experience on it and to hopefully and they're free now i may charge for them at some point um i i partly also i wanted to have something that forced me to um explore all other parts of WatchKit. And understand and do things that didn't necessarily fit into a more data-driven application, because um, I mean at this point the watch is young enough that from a, a business side for what I do, it's not a significant portion of, of you know of, of my business, and I don't really expect it to be for some for quite some time. Um, but at this point, it's about trying to make sure that like my goal was to be an you know to be an expert in, in on the on the platform and to really understand the ins and outs of it and so 
you know, a game is a different thing and it forces me to do different things and, you know, to play with animation and things that are don't necessarily wouldn't fit, you know, wouldn't fit into a game or into an app that's, you know, showing you articles or controlling a podcast client or things like that. And so I, I made them because I think it'd be, hey, it's just, it's interesting to do and I've never done it. Um, and I think it's the, you know, we're very, very, very early days. And so it's trying to get something out there early enough to just have that experience and to get some sense of, you know, the reactions and the feet and what people think and do, you know, on, on the watch. As a developer, do you think that you've learned anything specific from making these games that your other Apple Watch apps have not been able to teach you? I think the biggest thing was in terms of, and I haven't unfortunately really found a lot of great ways to apply this, but it's understanding the impact that animation can have on making a watch kit app feel less less like it actually is uh, because watch kit by its nature has the a lot of these little built-in de- you know delays and stutters and latencies that you just can't get around that are just part of you know the fact that all this data is being sent back and forth over bluetooth and i remember when in the first like the first version my first test build of the 2048 game it just when you when you hit the button to move you know left or right up or down it just changed the displays you know so it added all the numbers up and just changed the updated the display and i remember feel that feeling so sort of sterile and not it didn't feel very lively and so i spent the sort of spent a while working out how i could inst- like I, I can't animate fully like i i did actually think through what how complicated it would be to make because uh, all the animation on the apple watch is done essentially with like animated gifs and so you have to pre-render all of the things that you're going to show and i did a bit of tried to do a bit of the math for how many game board states would i have to render to actually animate them all and it got crazy very quickly but i did realize that i could just animate the game grid moving side to side and it's a subtle effect that just when you hit you know when you hit to the right the game board kind of shifts to the right and back the numbers don't actually move but that little bit of liveliness covers up the fact that it's not you know that there's a it's not as smooth of, an, of a transition as you would be used to on ios and i think that's the thing one of the things that i'm looking to try and apply to my other applications and i did a little bit in uh, my pedometer app where i like made the graphs grow and things like anywhere that you can make these little touches of liveliness um that in a game feel right at home but I think can have a pretty big impact on even just utility apps is something that I've learned from this that I think you know applies very well more generally. Have you tried any other watch games? Like what's been your opinion overall of some of the stuff that you've been trying? I've I've tried a few. Not a, I wouldn't say I've tried a I've tried a ton. Um it's a lot of it seems like there there's a, there are a lot of games that are very very similar. Um, that I definitely ran into, like the number of people who made the right, you know, the a version of what I call watch and repeat my game. Um, but it's just like the memory version, like a game that's about memory. There are, it seems like there's probably 50 of those um, out of the 3000 apps that were, you know, released on launch day. And so there's a lot of those. Um, I have, I saw you, you playing, I think it was trivia crack, which looked pretty well done. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of a game works well. Um, but there's generally, I, there's not a lot of, uh, and the games that are kind of like all 
more add-ons to iOS games didn't really, I don't find particularly compelling because I don't play a lot of the iOS games that they were made for. Um, but, you know, I think it's, inter it's very, very early days in terms of, you know, what, what's available in games. And there's not a whole lot of choice at this point. Do you think there's a there's a, a future market for Apple Watch games, or do you think this is just you know right now everybody's kind of trying to see if it makes sense to have a game on the watch? Do you think in the future uh, it'll become its own market, its own category for iOS developers, or do you think that maybe past the the you know the, the novelty effect of now uh, most developers will just go back to make standard iPhone and iPad games. I I think it's probably worth saying that there, I think there's two kinds of gaming, and this is just sort of from my own experience, where there's kind of like intentional gaming and like opportunistic gaming. Uh, like intentional gaming is sort of something like, like when you you say like, okay, I've got an evening, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to play a game. You know, I'm going to sit down and play Heroes of the Storm, and I'm going to go go to my computer and I'm going to you know sit there for a few hours and play. And that's that kind of gaming. I don't think really has much of a future on the watch. Like it's never going to be a venue that if you have some dedicated time to to go and sit down and play, that you're probably going to be going to your watch. Like, I mean, it's possible, but it seems very, very unlikely. Um, but I think the opportunistic side of gaming, where like I have, you know, two minutes, I have ninety seconds, I have just a little bit of time where I want to do something like I'm looking for a distraction from whatever it is that I, you know, wherever it is, I find myself that type of gaming, I think can work on the watch. And I think, especially when we get the native SDK, whenever that is sometime later this year, um, and you can get around a lot of the weird issues and constraints that we have now with WatchKit. I think the things that are going to be possible and the thing and the richness of those experiences will get better. And so I think the, you know, the, ga the games on the watch will be better um, at that point. And I think we're, at this point, we're just sort of in the early days of people kind of working out what's possible and when it works. Um, but I've definitely noticed in myself, like since I've only had a watch for whatever it is, uh, six days now. And I've definitely still find myself uh, for me, like uh, playing, you know, playing 2048 on my watch every now and then. And it's just at times when... Um, I am just looking to play a game, but I don't have very long. I'm not going to go and, you know, sit down at, a, at an iPad or in some ways, honestly, even it's, I've noticed since I have a watch, I don't carry my phone with me around my house very much. Mm. Um, like my, my phone is just, you know, it's sitting on my desk um, or by my bedside for, for most of the day. And so a lot of the times that I would have potentially like, you know, pulled out my phone and played a game, I don't have my phone with me anymore. And so the next best, you know, the, the only place that I can go for that kind of um, amusement is my wrist. Um, and so even though it's kind of a crazy thing, like it still works. And I mean, it's funny, like I think of some of the crazy games that I played on my, like my old, uh, like my, my first, the first cell phone I ever had, which is, you know, like a, like a Nokia candy bar phone or whatever you want to call it with like this tiny little black and white screen. And I'd play games on it and it wasn't great, but it worked. Um, and I think people will all like gaming will always find a way because, um, people just love playing and having fun. And so I think it's very early going, but I think eventually, um, especially as we get the native SDK, that will be a bigger and bigger part of what people use their watches for. So I want to 
Um, so I've been basically, I went into the uh, into the App Store on the watch and I downloaded a, a small selection of the games that Apple have promoted, right? Because I figured any game that's in that category, you, you'd like to think would be what Apple considered to be the best they found, right? It tends yeah. to be how that sort of stuff works. Now, kind of some of these, some of my feelings on this actually come into just some of my general feelings about the Apple Watch. Like, just trying to get the games onto my watch, it can be hard enough. Like, at one point, I had to restart my watch and my phone before some of the apps that I downloaded showed up in the watch app to be installed onto the phone. Like, and and this is like, I, I haven't spoken about this anywhere else, but I wonder if you feel the same, David. The watch companion app is incredibly buggy. Yes, like it just locks up sometimes. Sometimes no, none of the no no apps have shown at all in the in the app. Um, downloading things from it can can really upset your phone in general. It's actually rebooted my phone once. Like it is a, uh, it's a bit rough around the edges. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and I think there's just a lot of it. It's somewhat inconsistent. Uh, is is, is and maybe is a. a the word you could apply to a lot of watch stuff at this point, um, which, you know, it's, it's early, it's early days. So fair enough, but there's a lot of things where most of the time it works, but every now and then it's like, it just doesn't. And when it doesn't, then you're like, all right, you're sort of up against a wall and you just try and well, let's restart everything and hope, hope for the best. Um, and what I've kind of found is that in general, any game that takes more than 30 to 40 seconds to execute whatever is being done, kind of makes little sense to me um because I, I, after any kind of extended period of time it's uncomfortable like yes to either hold your arm up or to be like leaning over the device or there's kind of no real way to 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 comfortably play a game on this thing like when i was doing my testing of this i just took the watch off and held it in both hands <laughs> because <laughs> after like the first game i was like man i need to take a break like it's just not comfortable um, to to play anything for extended periods of time, um, and that that I think that that seemed like it would be a thing, um, but I guess it's always hard to know because especially when you're developing it, you don't have any of that that you have no context for any of that, um, and and I feel I feel in general that's been a big thing about just Apple Watch apps is there isn't there's there's little context because until you get the device you don't really understand what you're building for. Um, yeah, because I assume as well, like that the the simulator doesn't simulate lag very well. N- not to the degree that is real in you know in, in reality. Right. So, one thing that I found is I think that the games that I found to to look best and be best have really flashy animations, um, and there are some that are really good, and I'll talk about a couple in a minute. But David, are these gifts? Is that how this works? It's essentially yes. I mean, they're not actually gifs in terms of they're not in the gif format, but all animation that is done on the Apple or using WatchKit is done by taking a rendering a series of pictures and then telling the watch to play those pictures back on the screen at a particular frame rate, essentially. Um, so any time you see anything like that, anything that's animation animated or moving around, you know, it's it's like someone took a, a you know, it's a, like a flipbook with pictures in it and they're just you know flipping through um, each frame one after the other um, and that's the only way you can do animation so it's basically like a super fast carousel like yeah really really quick slideshow <laughs> yeah 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's and it's, you know it can either be done with sort of pre-rendered cached ones in terms of like your you know like a lot of mine I rendered well you know I render and bundle with the application or it's you could and theoretically also render them you know on the iPhone in sort of semi real time send them over to the watch and display them um, but that obviously there's a lot of data that you have to move around if you do that that sounds so, like a nightmare yeah so i think very few people i've seen do are doing anything that looks like that would be the case almost everyone is just sort of pre-rendering and you know if you look in a watch in a watch kit app you'll just have you know hundreds if not thousands of tiny little pictures that are each one you know one frame different from each other um, and you just kind of tell it to animate appropriately for whatever you're trying to look at wow and um, what do you think is going to happen when uh there's going to be a native SDK. You're just going to trash all these images and <laughs> just make a real game? Hopefully. Oh, um, God. <laughs> because Sounds terrible. The, well, I mean, the reality is the, the, like the method by which I built the animation images for all of my apps is just I basically just take the iPhone animation that I built and rec- like play it very slowly and record frame grabs of it essentially so it's not like i had like some people i know have actually have like graphical artists animating properly like in after effects or something and like building proper animations that way like that's well well beyond what i can do and so for me it's it wasn't that crazy of an extra amount of work it's like i built the iphone version took the iphone animation and just kind of cut it up Uh, but i definitely look forward to being able to just say like take this thing and change its colors from here to there um, or you know move it from this position to that position and have that animate smoothly. Like, that'll be amazing. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. And it allows for so much more stuff that you just can't do now. And what's the the other stuff that we, hopefully with a native SDK, uh, watch developers, but especially for games, uh, you will be able to access and to take advantage of? I think that the two biggest things are going to be something other than buttons or interaction. So, I mean, at its simplest, say you can have swipes um, or other things that aren't just a single, you know, a single button press um, as the only method by which you can gain input. And then probably the most significant is going to be able to have some reasonable expectation for latency um, so that you could have a game that is much more, um, you know, time oriented because, I mean, especially if you look, I mean, if you look at most iOS games, like you just sit, go to, you know, the game section, look at like the top free top paid apps most of them ultimately break down into a few very similar simple categories you know there's sort of like the endless runner time-based thing you know whether that's temple run whether that's alto's adventure whatever it is like you're you're sitting there you're doing some action at a particular time to make your character avoid some obstacle like mm-hmm. that side of games that you just can't really do now you know you have sort of puzzly games and things like that or a lot of like ultimately a lot of those things are ultimately come down to your like your skill as the gamer is about your ability to time something right and so right now you can't do anything that's i would say involves time at all um, or at least time at a very granular level and so with a native sdk you could imagine being able to say like you can actually do those kind of games you know you could make it that when you tap a button your character reacts right away if you allow me, guys, I just want to give you some of my impressions about the games that I've played. Sure. Um, so, Runeblade, which is the game that we've been talking about a oh, bunch. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that's been the one that's kind of 
we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Now, I've not played this on the iPhone, um, but I found this game incredibly boring. So, like, when you open it, like, it doesn't give any context because I assume that this is a companion game to the main game. But all you, all I found myself doing was I was give, shown a foe, like an like a snake or a monster of some kind. I would press attack, and then just an animation would occur of um, a like a blade cutting this enemy that was just static so there'd just be a blade moving across a static enemy and then eventually the hit points of the enemy would go away and then it would die like and it just did that like four times and it was like this is not fun and there are some other panels where it's like you can have gold and you can unlock different spells and runes on the in the game it feels like it's a good like maybe a good companion but it doesn't feel very fun just as a thing Um, then I tried out Letter Zap, which was a disaster. So Letter Zap is one of those like anagram type games. Like you're showing a bunch of letters make a word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I didn't find anything about this game to work the way it should work. So the timer that is in the corner was like super jittery. And I know that there are problems with timers. So I don't even like, so using a timer seems like a a bad thing, but it would, it wasn't counting down in accurate seconds. Um, What's counting down in American time? (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem. (laughs) And it's a speed based word game, right? So it has a timer and it's counting down. So you have to like, once you think of a word, you have to like tap it out quickly. But if you tap it out quickly, it doesn't register all the letters you've tapped. So then it would throw the letters into um, in, in the order that I don't want. And then you have to tap again to, for it to unlock those letters back in so you can try it again. So the timer is counting down and every action that you're doing is adding more unintentional time. That so, sounds terrible. Yeah, it just doesn't work well enough to support the premise. And like mm-hmm. this feels like a game, like these types of games, that makes sense on the device, right? A little like you can play one level of a word game while you're standing in line at the post office. But the the mechanics of the game that are meant to make the game interesting, actually none of them work on the watch yeah. very well. Um one of the most compelling games, like the idea of the the game, uh, is a, is an app I've, that was featured called Toby, which is a virtual pet. Makes perfect sense on this yep. device. So Toby is a little dog, and you can play on the iPhone. You can do more, um, and then just throughout the day, there's a glance that you can see, which shows you his hunger levels and his happiness levels. And you oh, can, that's cute. Yeah, and you can click the <laughs> glance, and you can feed him, and you can pet him on the on the watch. That type of app, like this is kind of what we've been talking about, Federica, that type of app, that is a companion to the main game. It works really well. And plus something like a virtual pet makes sense because inherently you're only ever going in there to tap a couple of buttons and then leave again. Mm-hmm. So that, that that game worked really well. Um, and, so how's your how's your dog, Mike? Um, he's not currently installed. Oh, wow. Um, there is, yeah, sorry, buddy. There is a Tamagotchi <laughs> app as well that I've not tried. Um but I know that there is one, and part of the reason is I'm concerned that I might get sucked into Tamagotchi again, and I'm not. It's not something I want in my life. <laughs> well, um, you remember my my Pikachu Tamagotchi story, you know, that I told uh, you. I, th- I think a few months ago that I lost my my. You know, there was a branded uh, Pokemon Pikachu Tamagotchi yep. like 15 years ago, and I lost it, and I kind of 
uh, I went into this sort of depression that I yeah. lost my Pikachu oh. around Viterbo. Oh, yeah, and I didn't God. tell my mom until years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's one not day, talk about Tomagotchi. One day I'm going to hire someone to, to fill in for me, um, to pretend to be me, who's actually a trained psychotherapist to help you out oh, wow. with some of this <laughs> stuff. It's a bit much. Come on. Well, I just I have know. a few. I just have a few minor issues. It's not like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe sometimes I think about stuff too much. Video I mean, games... I, I was I was like 12 and I lost a Pikachu around Viterbo. I mean, that's sad. I know, but like video games seem to have a negative effect on you in many ways. No, like, you know, <laughs> when you worry about the lives of the little characters in Rogue Legacy, and you know, I'm when you make it you. sound like that. It's 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 darker than it, than it, that it is. Okay. It's just I don't know. I just want Sorry. to make sure you're no, okay. No Tamagotchi, no Tamagotchi on the wrist. Yeah, whatever you do, <laughs> no, do not download a virtual no. pet game. <laughs> no, because it, it'll, eventually it'll die and I'll just cut my hand off. Yep. Out of sadness. <laughs> no more watch. No more. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Underscore. This is this happens. Um, Mini cookie tap. Is another game that I played. Mm. This is like one of those games that, like, on a cultural level, I don't understand. Like, it feels like a Japanese game. It's not, <laughs> but it feels like it, right? What do you mean it feels like a Japanese? You know, game? like stuff like, um, like Hello Kitty and mm. like the really kind of like fundamentally peculiar things. Like, it's mm-hmm. basically you're making cookies and cakes that have little smiling faces on them. That's cute. No, Why don't you like smiley cute. cookies? It's a great looking game. I think it's probably the best like looking. It's like the mm-hmm. most vibrant. It's got a lot of color on it, uh, but it just feels like it's got this. It's got this cultural attachment that I don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, why is the cookie smiling? Is he on to me? Exactly. You know? Like, what's going yeah. on here? <laughs> Do you eat the cookie? No. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's dark. No, all you do is no, so good, you good. you tap a little box and the cookie is made in front of you and then shipped out. So like plate comes mm. in from the right, you tap, a cookie appears and then it's it's got a smiling face cuz it's happy that you've brought it to life and then off it goes, probably to be eaten by somebody else. Now, so basically the idea of this game um is money is being generated uh, even when you're not playing, like it does it by a timer, right? So I, I'm currently generating 23 pieces of gold a second. So because I, I haven't played it for a couple of hours, I'm now sitting on a gold mine of 43,000 pieces of gold. Um, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm saving up for a bakery. Um, <laughs> the game just crashed on me, by the way. Um, so basically you just i can go in and tap and i earn more money if i'm actually tapping rather than the game just doing it itself uh and then you can use that money to upgrade your skills which can earn you even more money um and you just carry on going through it um i don't really know what the purpose of this game is all i know is it's it's actually quite fun to play because it's kind of cute and that sounds like there's a whole business behind cookies in this game. Well, yeah, I, there's I, a lot of money involved here. I just bought a farm for three thousand. Oh, now I'm building a factory. Here we go for cookies. There we go. Yeah, I just built a cookie factory. So, oh, I'm now earning a hundred pieces of gold a second. Wow, you're like the Berlusconi of cookies. I, <laughs> I am. I am. That is exactly what I am. I want to play this game. I want to play co- mini cookie tap. 
So that sounds like my sort of game. I don't. Uh, so it has the companion app, but I don't think that there's anything going on in the mini cookie tap. Yeah, you can enjoy a mini cookie tap on Apple Watch. So there you Very go. Very cool. It Very feels cool. like there probably is a cookie tap game, right? It sounds like it, yeah. Because this is mini cookie tap. This is it's very very peculiar, but um, it's fun. How did you find this game? On just on the app store. It's featured. It's featured. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. it's one of. Hey, the David, features. actually, I wanted to ask you, what do you think of the Apple Watch App Store? Did, did, did they do a good job at promoting games and apps in general? It's. It's an interesting question because it they did something that I know a lot of uh, developers have asked for for a long time is that they they did they don't have any concept of a of charts or lists. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found that is a bit unfortunate about the way they do it now is that the way the only real like you can either find it you can search for something or Apple featured it. Um, if they didn't feature it and you don't know exactly what you're looking for, you you can't see every, like a a lot of apps in this in that app store, and so it's almost like it feels a little bit like you're only seeing this tiny little sliver of the available apps, um, and so that's a little bit feels a little bit funny. But overall, I I like where they're go- where they sort of went with that in terms of it's it's very streamlining curated and obviously like as a developer i wish more of, i wish more of my apps were featured uh, like that would be nice uh because my suspicion is the reality is if you're not featured you're almost completely invisible um mm-hmm. and so it's very much kind of like their apple is playing kingmaker like if they if they like your app and they put you on that featured tab people are going to see you and if you if they don't um you're you may as you probably don't really exist very much because maybe someone will search for you maybe someone will know that oh i thought you know, are what are, are are there games? Like if they go into the search tab and type in game, maybe they'll find uh, you know find your app that way. But it feels a little bit more. It's like it's very heavily curated, which is good if you are one of the chosen few. Potentially problematic um, or dis- disappointing if you are not. Um, but you know, overall, I'm very glad though that they did make a watch app store um, because I think uh, you know right, so right now it's like. My apps are only in a store with, a, you know, whatever it is, three thirty five hundred apps um, in it rather than one point five million. And so I'll take that. Like that sounds pretty like that, that. That's a much better deal. And so I'm glad it exists. It's a bit tricky because of those kinds of like it's one. It's you know, if you're one of the featured apps, that's amazing. If it's if you're not, that's a bit awkward. Um, but overall, I, I generally like what they did. Yeah, it's good if you're mini cookie tap. Your your feature then Mike discovers you, exactly. like any other any other game. Like yeah, the... there is, but I've been doing a bit of research about Mini Cookie Tap here, and and I've been okay. going through a loop, like a just basically a, a deep hole here of, of chains of websites to where okay. I've landed on a company called Sanbay, S A N B A E, which is the company that apparently develops this game however it's not the listing that's in the app store but they have three apps um mini cookie tap mini owl and sudoku time and they are a smartwatch game development company so i tried to find out a little bit more about them and cannot at the moment but sanbei is a korean word so mm. i expect they are a korean company so um there we go 
So I, I yeah, now so. I now remove the comment about Japanese, replace it with Korean, and uh, mm-hmm. and there we go. We're off, we're off to the races. Maybe maybe it's a it's a thing. The cookie smiles at you in Korea. It's so. just like it's it's that um, it's got that design of like uh, the Asian culture type yeah, yeah, game yeah, to it, you yeah. know. Um, so the last yeah, it seems like one of those games that you find in the uh, line app, the, the messaging app. Up, you know, with the perfect, cute, yeah, funny that's exactly characters. that is exactly it, yeah. So, uh, the last game that I uh, want to talk about is I th- what I think is the best is the best game, the best implementation of the Apple Watch in a game that I've seen so far, which is Trivia Crack. Um, have either of you played Trivia Crack? I think I played the real version, which is like the physical game with friends, which yep. is called uh, uh, I don't remember. Something like Trivial Pursuit, maybe. Yeah, it's based on Trivial Pursuit. Yeah, so that's yeah. so the idea. Trivia Crack, you you can play on the iPhone, and I was playing on the iPhone uh, a few a day. I think the day before it was on the watch because I saw it featured, so I was downloading it and saw that it was actually a full app. And it's effectively a a game. You like you go in, you can play against people, you can play against friends or friends or random people. Um, you go in, you tap a button, it spins a wheel and lands on a specific category. Um, and then like the categories are like geography, history, arts, entertainment, science, and and sports. I think that's they're the categories. So it lands on one of the colors. Once you answer three questions, you can uh, you you sp- you basically can choose to take a, a like a, like a trophy. A call crowns in each category, and then once you've got all of the got a crown for each category, you win the game, right? So it's like Trivial Pursuit. Um, the game on the Apple Watch is very, very good. Uh, the animations are very good. Like it has a spinning wheel, like the spinning wheel is still there. Um, it, the little lo- it has a loading spinner, but it has its own loading animation as well, which is very cute. Which is like the, each of the icons for each of the um, categories, like flashing up in front of you. Um, it has little ca- little uh, characters, that they, all the little tri- the crown characters, because all of the categories they have their own little anthropomorphic characters. So it's like a globe with arms and legs and a face, lots of faces on things in the on Apple Watch I found um, and it just works very well uh, the only issue that I've had of it is like it's also got a timer like a 30 second timer for the questions and sometimes like you're looking at the answers and the screen goes off <laughs> because it's it's yeah. longer than like the 6 seconds however long you keep the screen on how long does the screen stay on for is it I can't it depends. Re- it depends on how it was woken up and what you're doing with it. I believe. Right. Like it, it's not a strict thing, but I think it's something like twelve seconds. I think, um, and it's shorter if you just wake it up by raising your hand versus waking it up by pressing a button or if you interact right or in the middle of something. I think it gets a little bit longer, but it's yeah, it's it's not a long, long amount of time. So I'm I'm currently playing a game with Forgotten Tao, who is our designer. And so I go into the game and I see the spinner and I press it and it spins around in a really nice animation. Um, and I'm on the geography category, so I press play. Okay, um, we can help you. Yeah, what, when is it spring in the Northern Hemisphere from December to March, from March to June, June to September or September to December? March to June. March to June. Correct. To June. Continue. So now we go for a second question here. Okay. It's, it's not doing I'm pressing the button and it's... Oh, there we go. Uh spinning and we are in the entertainment category Mm -hmm. so 
What is the movie about different university groups competing to sing called? Is it Pitch Perfect, Dirty Dancing, The Choirs, or Girls Just Want to Have Fun? Oh, I have an idea. Pitch Perfect, thank you, underscore. And oh, that is correct. Okay, so now we're going for our third. If we get three, then we can then we can then we can try and uh, I'm like enjoying this by the way. This is our new podcast. We're basically ripping off Jason Snell now and doing game shows. Uh history. We're on the history category. Mm-hmm. Who declared themselves Rome who declared themselves Rome's dictator for life? Federico, do you know the answer before I give you the uh dictator for life? Yep. Okay, we've only got eighteen mm-hmm. seconds. So it's Caesar, Brutus, the senators are Alexander the Great. Uh, Caesar, I don't know. Caesar is correct. Okay, Yay. So I didn't expect we were going to do. Seems so like well. the kind of guy who would say that. So, so I'm now going to try and win the art category. Yeah, my arm's hurting now. By the way, uh, which German city was Beethoven born in? Berlin, Frankfurt, Bonn, or Munich? No idea. Underscore Munich you... sounds Munich? good. We're going for Munich. Munich. Okay, I don't. That doesn't sound right, but. It is not right. He was born in Bonn. <laughs> Thank you, Federico. We have now wasted. We have wasted the turn there. I like the son of Munich. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Well, but Mozart didn't. Um, so there you go. That tri- tri- you didn't see any of that, but you can understand that trivia crack is fun to play because it's one of those games that you can jump in and you answer a couple of questions and then you leave again. Um, because uh, obviously yeah. sometimes you don't get three questions right because you don't have some great help from your podcast hosts and guests. Uh, so you end up with just one question and you go away again. Um, and that is, I think, I think to me, um, it's it's clear that they had some time with the watch just because the animations are, they seem to be way better than, than many other that I've tried. Um, and Trivia Crack is a pretty popular game, so I expect they at least got some time in the lab. But it works very, very well, and I encourage people to... Uh, David, if you haven't, I encourage you to check it out just to see how it how it works, because um, it's it's very good. Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of... My, my overall feelings is that like people need to think about the types of games that they're making um, and consider the amount of time it takes to execute something. I think that's the key thing that I've that I've kind of taken away from my experience of playing games on the watch, because in a lot of instances it kind of doesn't make sense to be sitting there and staring at the screen forever. Yeah. So there we go. So I think that unless anybody else has anything else, that maybe wraps it up. Underscore, I will ask you: Are you happy with the experiment? Do you consider it an experiment? Like, and are you happy with with what you've done so far? Yes, yeah. I mean, it's definitely an experiment insofar as it's, I mean, it's, I had no expectation of it being like a significant part of my business. It's not something that is a major focus for me. It is an experiment to try something that I've I'd never done. And I had it always made me a little bit sad that whenever people ask me like what kind of apps I've made, my answer would almost end up being like, I've done, well, I've made pretty much everything except for a game. It's like now I've, well, I've made everything. Um, so that's kind of cool to be able to say that I've done that. And so as an experiment, it was kind of fun and it's interesting. Just think about, you're just thinking about different problems. And so I enjoyed that. And, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like I I made the next Flappy Bird or whatever. And so I'm, you know, rolling around in Scrooge McDuck's uh, m- money pit, but uh, that, that was never really the goal in the first place. So it's, it's been fun. So I think we're at the end of this week's episode, Federico. 
Yeah, well, I don't have a watch, so I just listen to you, to David. I trust you, Mike. Please don't let the the dog die. Okay. And 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 I will be very sad. I won't let do. him die. I may I may even name him Federico, so I'll have even more um, oh. reason to not let him die. I mean, if you really think about it, it it's it, it is kind of sad that you're only allowed to interact with the with a dog on your wrist for twelve seconds before the screen turns off and puts him into That's, darkness. That's the first thing that I thought about actually when you when you mentioned the game. But um yes, um very very nice first impressions, Mike. Thank you. No and problem. thank you David for 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 being on. And we we talked about Apple Watch games a lot and you are, you know, at the forefront of uh, making just apps in general. I feel like you always make apps for stuff. So it it was great having you here. David. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. And underscore, where can they, uh, where can people find the stuff that you're working on? Where's a good place for um, all of that? Sh- sure. So uh, if you want to find me, myself, I'm on Twitter at underscore David Smith. Uh, or if you want to find my apps, you could just go to david-smith.org slash apps, and you'll find links to all the things that I've made. And if you want to, find, we've been collecting a bunch of uh, links into our show notes for this week, which are at relay.fm slash virtual slash 36. If you'd like to find Federico online, he is uh, at Viticci, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes over at maxstories.net. And I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you all for listening to this week. Thanks to Squarespace for their support. And thank you to underscore David Smith for joining us. And until next time, bye-bye, everybody. Arrivederci. Goodbye.